0: If you will, open up your Bibles to Luke's gospel. Last week we taught or uh, began, I don't know if it's a series or independent messages or whatever, called Plentius, And we read the verse of scripture that Jesus said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. And when, what he was talking about was not wheat or corn he was talking about the harvest of lost people and that there's a world in need and they need God and he said they won't bring themselves in they won't harvest themselves he said we need laborers and we've got a problem there are few And so he didn't say, hey, you guys pray and see if the Lord would like to use you. He said, no, God's going to use you. You pray for other people to do this. In other words, nobody should pray for themselves, just, okay, Lord, send me, and then I'm waiting. No, we should pray, send others, I'm going. You with me? And and that's important to know that concept because sometimes, and we said this last week, if we pray, Lord, bring him in, and he said, you go out, we're not connecting with the Lord. And then we may think, well, why isn't certain things happening? Because we've been praying, and people may say, we pray more than everybody. But he didn't say, pray only about it. He said, you go get them, and then pray that others go get them. And I don't know about you, but certain things can be fun to do. But sometimes when when we go to reach the lost, we just don't know how to do it, don't know what to do. It can be awkward, you know, how do you start talking? Who do you talk to? When do you talk to them? I do believe this as a believer. Everybody can get better at reaching people. I believe this too. Not everybody's going to reach the same amount of people. Some people will be like Peter and maybe, you know, in the Bible or, you know, different evangelists like most people know Billy Graham. uh, There's maybe not a ton of Billy Grahams reaching, you know, five million people through their life. And so if we look at ourselves and go, Well, that won't be me. I guess I'm not called to that. Well, I actually worked for a a Billy Graham crusade behind the scenes. And come to find out, it's not all Billy Graham. And it's more natural but biblical principles than I think people realize. They said they spend millions of dollars for every Billy Graham crusade, or about a million dollars. They do a bunch of advertising, they said they put billboards up, you know, Billy Graham crusade in this area. And then they put signs on buses. They said on park benches. They do commercials. They put bumper stickers, you know, print them by the hundreds of thousands. And they told me this in this meeting with some of the leadership of Billy Graham. They say, we don't even get 1% of people through this avenue of all this money we spent. Somebody said, well, that's a waste. They said, actually, the reason we do all this is for the simple purpose of when we teach the people to invite people, it reaffirms it everywhere they go. Oh, I've been invited. There's a billboard. There's it on the bus. There it is on TV. Hey, it's on their car. It's on their car. It's here. It's there. And they said the majority of the people that get saved in a Billy Graham crusade have been in these meetings and, you know, that are connected with churches. And we just teach them go bring a person. And it's wild because if you watch a Billy Graham crusade, anybody ever watched one of those before on TV? And then all of a sudden, you know, he's got a whole stadium, you know, like where the Cardinals would play. I mean, jam packed. And then he would listen to his message, and it's like, nuclear war could hit, where would you go if you died? I mean, it's pretty simple, you know, plagues in the world, trouble in the world, you know, people need a savior, you know. It's not like, well, this is so powerful, I can hard, I feel like I'm under conviction, I'm going to fall on the floor right now. Jesus is moving, but he is moving. They would give that, and then he would say, You know, come just as you are. Stand and come to receive the Lord. If you need Jesus, stand now and come. And you see, if you've ever watched one of those things, and there's like 80,000 people there, and, and he'll say, come down now, and you'll see thousands of people come, and you go, whoa. What people don't realize is half of the people are more than half of the people that come down front are all workers. They're people from different churches and they just give them packs and teach them how to do follow-up. And Billy Graham said the reason they do that is when everybody stands up and starts coming, the people that are lost that are there that have been brought by other people go, oh, look at all these people go. So they just go down front. And then if you ever hear him give instructions, he'll say something like this. If you're down here to receive the Lord, you can just turn around and there's somebody there with packs and some Bibles and, and they will pray with you. How does he know? Just turn around. I mean, there's 4,000 people down there because more than that are getting saved. But if you watch it on TV and don't know, you think, oh, that's what we need to do. a Big old crusade and they'll just automatically come. They work for one year in advance to make that work. One year of getting people trained like us to bring people to one event so that they can come. And then you know what they've done? They teach the people, you know, that have been in these meetings, or like me, I was on staff at a church, so then you meet with your people at your church, and then say, once you bring those people, you follow up on them after the meeting. You bring them back to the church, and that's how Billy Graham got so many people saved, and then planted in churches, was he was just more intentional than just the wind of God blew. And people just came flying in through the door. Now, do I believe those things can happen? Yeah, I do believe that. And I believe there is that place. But should we wait for that to happen? It's a good question. Because if we wait for that to happen and it doesn't happen, people don't wait to live life and die. You with me? Or get some false thing coming toward them to pull them in. You with me? So Luke five, we're going to read a story here, <clears throat> and and some of you may be familiar. This is the beginning of Jesus's uh, ministry, and uh, he was just getting started. And uh, Luke five one, and we'll begin reading here, and then we're going to read through actually a number of verses here. It says, "So it was as the multitude." Pressed about him to hear the word of God. So what we have here is a big crowd of people. That's uh, on this bank of this uh, lake. So you know normally on a bank of a lake. If you don't know. The hills go up not down. Because if it goes down. It's a river. You get in this picture. Has to go up. Because if not water goes down. So they'd be on a river. So this hill there around, some people are like, let me think about this. Um, so it's like an auditorium. So Jesus is here. And one thing I've learned about being on a big body of water, if you've ever been out on a lake before, like in the woods, you can have people across a bay talk normal. It sounds like they're sitting right there. I remember that growing up, you know, and being in Montana, and you'd hear the neighbors, you could just sit there and be quiet, and they're like, Oh, they're doing that. This is interesting. And I'm like, what have they heard us say? You know, those neighbors over there, you know, they could hear it. And um, but of course we would never talk like that. But um, but the it travels, so Jesus had this multitude that came. And when this multitude came, guess what happened? He was going to preach to them. And so they're up on this embankment. And it says, so it was as the multitude pressed about to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret, or down by the shore, and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen um, had gone from them and were washing their nets. So there's two empty boats uh, that had fishermen in them, and they're up washing their nets and cleaning them after a, a long day or night of fishing. And it says, when he saw these, and they were washing their nets, verse 3, then he got into one of the boats, the audacity of Jesus. <laughs> he just jumped in this boat. He didn't ask He just jumped in. And he said, which was Simon's, and and then he said, uh, asked him to put him out a little from the land. So he didn't say, would you mind? He just, he jumped in and said, now, go ahead and push me out. And then he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. And so you see this picture of him just sitting in the water teaching I don't know, did he teach a half hour, hour? Some of the messages you think, man, he taught for a long time. So he's just teaching away. So Peter's there holding him out there in the out in the water a little bit, has to leave his cleaning of the nets. And he's just hearing Jesus preach, hearing Jesus preach. I bet he was glad to hear him. And uh, then when he had finished, it said when he taught the multitudes from the boat, Verse 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. It's real interesting that he said, I want to use your goods and services to preach the gospel. I want to use what's in your hands to preach. And then once he preached... It's interesting, he said. Now you go launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night. Now he was had a business, a family business, catching fish, and he had fished all night. And he said, And we've caught nothing. He didn't say we got we got a tennis shoe. Got caught one tennis shoe and an old catfish. He said, we got nothing but dirty nets. And he said, we toiled at it and caught nothing. He said, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. I wonder if his relationship with God, you know, through Christ that had begun just by hearing him preach motivated him to believe whatever the Lord said was a good idea to do. Because he had just got done hearing him preach. And and then he's like, you know, we did this work. We toiled and we haven't caught anything. He said, but you know what? I'm going to do what you say. And uh, if you read the story, he actually didn't do what he said. He said, I will let down the net. Well, Jesus didn't say let down one net. He said, let them all down. He said, let down your nets. But he said, oh, no, Lord, we've toiled it. it, No, we tried it. It didn't work. I will let down a net. Isn't it interesting that the Lord wanted him to do more than he was willing to do? It seems as if he wasn't going to do anything, but he said, "You know what? after hearing you, I'm going to go ahead and let down the net." But he did not say that. He said, All, He said, "Let down your nets." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes people may not gather everything in their life that God intends because they only let down a net instead of letting down their nets. Yeah, but what if I let them all down? I already got them dirty, and I already was mending them. And, you know, because if you read other stories, they were not only washing, but they were mending them because they would tear. They would get damaged. And you would think, man, we've tried this. It didn't work. Now you're telling us to do it during the day. But you know what? I've heard you preach. I notice God's working in you. Um, I'll do it. I'll let down the net. But that's not what he said. Sometimes people miss God's best because they settle for just a little. You know, I would commit, but none of my friends are. Jesus didn't say, get all your friends to let down nets. He said, you do it. You do it yourself. And Peter said, okay, I'll do it and I'll just let down the net. Isn't that what he said? Let down the nets. And then he said, I'll let down the net. And notice, but Simon answered in verse 5 and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night. We caught nothing. Nevertheless, now at your word. And this wasn't his word, this was his condensed version. You know, I remember this one girl when I was a youth pastor. Uh, we had been in this service, and God was just moving strong. And she said, you know, uh, I know I'm not supposed to be hanging around with the people I've been hanging around with, and God has really been dealing with me about this. And he just spoke to me again. And I'm like, awesome. And she said, I know what to do. A couple weeks later, she said, I'm doing it. I said, awesome. I said, it's going to pay off. About a month and a half later, she said, you know, the Lord's the Lord, uh, I'm, I'm hanging around with those people. I said, you are? She said, yeah, it's okay. I just know the Lord wants me to be careful. And I was like, are you sure about that? Well, you know, I just, and she started reasoning. I said, you got to do it like the way the Lord says. That girl slowly drifted away from God and is if you knew her today you would think oh no but think about what where she could have been but we can hear good stories too like that where people did what they should and how it paid it's not an issue of perfection it's a matter of response and obedience and so here Simon said, I will let down the net. But Jesus said in verse 4, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Now notice verse 6. And when he had done this, done what? Let down his net. They caught a great number of fish and their net, singular, Was tearing or breaking. Verse 7. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat. To come and help them. And they came and filled both boats. So that they began to sink. And this wasn't even God's best. Peter should have got more. Peter could have had more. Wouldn't have that been a story. We signaled to our partners, our boats were sinking, we had to drag the nets up onto shore, we just had no room. I mean, it was crazy because we stepped out completely and all the nets were breaking. Isn't it an interesting story? This happened one day. And you know, the Bible said at various times and in various manners, God spoke to the prophets in those years gone by. But he said, in these days, he speaks to us through his word. So he still gives instructions and still deals with people's hearts. And it says their nets were breaking, so they signaled to their partners, because and their boats were sinking. Verse 8 says, when Simon Peter saw it. Now he's fished his whole life. Let me go back to verse 7. So when they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats. I believe this. This is just me. But I don't believe it was necessary for them to have their partners. I think Jesus was working, trying to work a bigger picture in Peter's life that day. You with me? Because we're about to see a bigger picture here. And sometimes I think we don't always see the big picture and don't realize the value of following God and obeying him completely. And here he signaled to his partners to come and help. But if he would have had more nets, I wonder if he would have needed help. You know, more nets in the water. And so... Then in verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, I've caught fish in my life. And I don't know that after catching, and I've been on boats in the ocean where we were tuna fishing, where they wouldn't even gaff your fish because we were just catching too many. I have pictures of it. There are just tuna all over the deck. And they're all about 25, 30 pounds. And they just said, we can't gaff them. Too many people had fish. It, they call it a breezer where it looks like the water, there's wind blowing on it. But it's only because the fish are so thick, they make it choppy right where they are. And you just pull the boat on it and start putting bait in your hook. And they just attack. And they just make you flip it on the boat because they can't gaff them. Too many people are catching fish. And I mean, it was, there was just tons of fish. When we got done, I didn't say, whoa, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I'm like, I want to do that again. That was cool. And when we were doing it, it was got so out of control that people were getting double and triple limits, which you're not supposed to do that. But I mean, it's just, just thick with fish. The blood was running off the boat because, you know, tuna bleed quite a bit. Just running off the boat. I mean, red blood into the water. Big sharks come up. And now people are trying to catch sharks. I mean, it was like pandemonium. In a good way. And I honestly didn't say, oh Lord, depart from me. I'm like, where can I sign up to do this again? But there was something so profound about this experience. That he tells Jesus himself. I mean, I don't know, I recognize God's presence in here right now. I don't think there's anybody going, Lord, just take your presence, leave me right now. But he was so blown away by this, he said, Lord, you need to depart from me. They were waiting for the Savior. They were waiting for the Christ. There was something else happening here that was pretty profound. And and Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees. I mean, he just fell down. And he said, depart from me. For I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Aren't you glad that the Lord doesn't answer every one of your prayers? Because some are unbiblical, And some are downright stupid. Thank you. Because if Jesus would have answered his prayer right then, he would have said, all right, I'm out of here, goodbye. And he didn't answer that prayer. Now, when I say he doesn't answer your prayers, when they're outside of the line of his will, but if you know the truth, Jesus wasn't looking at him as a sinful man. He was looking at himself. He is in this holy moment seeing God perform a major miracle right in front of his eyes supernaturally. If you're a fisherman and you fish all night and not during the day, there's a reason you do that. It's the better time. If you're fishing during the day, it's because it's a better time. So he asked him to fish in a time that's not normally good. And then he catches a catch like he's never got, and his boat is sinking, and he's like, whoa. And then so much so, he's got a signal to his partners, and it was all because he was willing to follow the Lord. That's the fundamental basis. And Jesus said after his prayer, Lord, he fell down, uh... Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. You know, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. So the Lord answered and said, I know you're a dirtbag, but. No, he didn't say that. But, you know, how many people think that? Jesus didn't even answer that. He just flat ignored him. If you're condemning yourself and the Lord isn't cheering you on about it, you might want to change. Oh, Lord, you know, I just have been bad today. I've been this. And if He's not taking hold with that, you might want to just stop, pay attention to His non movement, and go, maybe I'll just keep my mouth shut. Verse 9 said, and he and all who were with him were astonished. They were blown away at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were with him who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid because he was afraid. Who am I standing in front of? That just commands to to do this and you get incredible results. And word spreading about Jesus and now they're having a personal encounter. And he said to him, do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men." So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. I believe this. God had already been dealing with Peter. There was stuff happening in his life. But he was so blown away. Wouldn't it have been better for Peter's future to have fully obeyed that day? Because why? He was using that as an example that if you fully obey, watch what I'll do with you spiritually. Because really he was about to use this thing that just happened to push him forward. And to show him what his future could be like. And and he didn't say this. From now on I'm going to make you and all your partners fishers of men. Now he wants to make everybody a fisher of men. You know like one person said. A fisher of men not a keeper of the aquarium. Because some people think that's the great commission. Is to keep the aquarium clean and looking right when it's really catching fish, catching man. And so he said, do not be afraid, from now on you'll catch men. Now what's interesting is, if you read other accounts of this, like Matthew, turn, turn to Matthew's gospel, it's real interesting because he approaches it and says some different things, but he doesn't really go into all the detail. It's really three verses, And he doesn't talk about the catching of the the mass of fish. He just basically, Matthew talks about the call that happened in Peter's life that day. Notice verse 18. It said, And Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, and his brother, and they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. That's all he talks about it. Doesn't go into detail. Everybody there? Matthew 4, verse 18. Did I say something else? 18. Come on, you guys. I mean, if I'm going to preach good, you got to keep up. I don't have time to tell you everything. All right, I will. Matthew 4, verse 18. Lest you think I was traveling alone up there. I'm all excited. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. This is so good. They're like, where are you? (laughs) Matthew 4, verse 18. And Jesus, and if you're not there by now, we're in trouble. Matthew 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers. We know from the other story, this is the exact same story. There were other things going on. He preached there. But he just gives this little snippet, and then verse 19, it says, Then he said to them, follow me. So all he does is just share a little snippet, not the big picture you see over there. But he says something here that he doesn't say over there. He said, follow me. And he, over there he said, from now on you're going to catch men. Then they left everything and followed him. Here it says he called them to follow. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, anybody who follows the Lord, he will make you a fisher of men. If we will honestly have a relationship with God, his goal for every believer is to make you a fisher of men. But not a fisher of men maybe like Peter. He used big nets, And But not everybody who fishes uses big nets. As a matter of fact, the majority of people don't use big nets. They use a fishing pole. Some are pretty good, and they'll pay for an extra stamp and use two fishing poles. But usually they'll leave one over there, and then they'll work the other one. But one thing I've learned about fishing is this, is not everybody who fishes catches. Some are wishing... Not fishing. Serious. You know, I've gone to lakes before and, and, and watched people, you know, and then don't tell me, hey, I, I want to go fishing with me, and if you've ever said this, I'm not talking about you. Yeah, I don't care if I go and don't catch fish. It's just good to hang out. I think, forget you, we can hang out at a donut shop, <laughs> and that will be way better than just hanging out. I go to catch fish. And, and I'll hang out. But I'm business when I'm fishing. You know, I am too. I'm like, I'll get into it. And, um, and I've learned a few things fishing. I've learned you don't know everything. I do. And um, no, I've learned a lot fishing, but I got to the point where I was addicted and the Lord had to deal with me and it was hard to quit I was fishing every literally single day years ago but one thing I learned is I would go places to go fishing and um, there were people that would catch fish and others that didn't catch fish and I remember going to this one lake one time and there was a big row of people fishing and this one guy showed up and we had been fishing there for an hour and caught just like Peter caught nothing and you know what this guy walked up, and he kind of got right where we were, and, and I was in Southern California at the time, and he was tying his stuff. I'm thinking, man, he needs to hurry. We, if He wants to get, you know, got to fish. And he's just kind of dilly-dallying around putting stuff on. And I said, oh, do you, do you fish very often? He said, oh, yeah, every day. I had never met somebody who fished every day. This is interesting. I said, well, how do you do? He said, oh, I get about 40 or 50 bass a day. Now I'm a Christian so I didn't say it out loud but internally I went you're lying. <laughs> okay, n- you never had that thought. I mean, come serious. You see these 20, 30 people up here and out onto this point. I have not seen anybody catch a fish. the truth. And the pastor where I served before was with me and we're just standing there like we've met Pinocchio, you know, (laughs) and um, thinking, sure. And so he's just taking his sweet time, and he hucks the thing out there, and reels it in, nothing. Within three minutes, he got a fish. And I went, lucky. And within about 15 minutes, he had about four fish. It got to the point after about 40 minutes, people were yelling at him. (laughs) Mocking, making, serious. So you know what I did? I tried harder with what I was doing. (laughs) No, it wasn't working. I said, what do you do? What do we do wrong? He said, well, I've been examining your stuff. You're not going to catch anything. Now, let's not get personal here. You know, how many people, you know, well, my grandpa used corn. Let's use corn. The only thing you're going to catch is by chance a carp. Most people aren't targeting those. But uh, grandpa used to use corn. Did you ever see grandpa catch a fish? No. That that was a, be careful. But anyway, those things work at certain times and places. Or, you know, I'm going to use a marshmallow. Marshmallow may not work right there. I feel like I just stepped on a lot of feet right there. (laughs) But I asked somebody who was doing it, and he said, let me tell you, your line's too big. Well, too big? He's all, I actually use five-pound test or three-pound test line for bass, because there was a brand that used to do an off One, he said, I don't use that color in this lake. And and he said, and besides that, I go and I buy a cheap rod, but I look for the right length and I rip all the eyelets off and I go restring it with longer eyelets. You know, the eyes where the line goes. And he said, then what I do is the reason I do that is you can't cast where you need to because when your line goes out, it spins, you're learning something. And it hits the rod as it goes out. So if I extend my eyes down and get bigger ones, it will spin out and it will naturally cast further without... And I'm like, where did you learn this from? He said, well, he said, technically, he said, it's cost me. My wife is divorcing me right now. I'm thinking, why don't you quit fishing? But don't quit yet. We need to talk. (laughs) And so... He literally was going through a divorce because of fishing. He had spent so much time. But he was prolific, and he just kept going. He said, I'll tell you what. Here's how you could compensate for some of your fishing. He said, roll your pant legs up. You're not going to tell me to go waiting out in the water. He said, you need to get way out there. He said, you're not even going to get there. He said, change this and do this. He started going into all these things. I caught a fish. No, I really did. I was like, ooh. And he had caught, in, caught or caught 15, 20 within an hour and a half, and I thought, he's well on his way. I'd never seen anybody fish like that. And he had all these things he had figured out. You know, sometimes people witness to people, and, and then they get done, and they're like, well, just, you know, those people, there's nobody's hungry for the things of God anymore. Bass don't eat marshmallows. Some people, you got to put something there that they're hungry for. And I've learned this that sometimes, when like when the fish start spawning, great time to learn. You say spawning, they go up, bass, make a bed. It's a great time to learn because you can spot fish and you throw something in their their bed. It's where they clear a space so they can lay their eggs or spawn. And um, what happens is, You throw stuff there and they'll move it or attack it and you can learn in those times and it becomes easier. And so there is a learning process to reaching people. And sometimes people are like at the store and they get this gigantic lure and they're like, this will work. And sometimes we get somebody because we snag them by accident. (laughs) I got them and it's fighting and everything. There's a saying in fishing, if you can turn the head, you can win the battle. And if you can't turn their head, you may not win. say, well, what does that mean? When you catch a fish, if it's aiming away, you're done for. But if you can turn its head the direction you want it to go, you can get the thing going in your direction. You don't have to fight it as much. You can turn it and get it in. How many of you are ready to go fishing today? No. But the fact is, you know, if you can turn their head, you can win. And there's an element of that, of turning people, seeing what they're biting on. You know, some people will just keep trying with somebody. Sometimes it's worth throwing something out there and see if they'll move on it. Well, that takes observation. Sometimes the same thing that someone bites on, someone else doesn't. One thing is, hunger Induces strikes. When fish are hungry. They're more apt to eat. People are hungry. You just need to know what they're hungry for. Some ladies. Are just hungry for fellowship. Hanging out with other ladies. So you can say. You know. Hey. There's a lot of ladies and you can meet new people and that can be enough to bring them so they can hear the message. But then there's other ladies that may be hurting. Well, then you could get them by telling them, hey, there's answers for what you're going through. And the same thing goes with guys, you know. Learning to find out what do people bite on. We know this, there is a hunger in every human being for food. If not, there's something wrong with them. And there is a hunger for spiritual things in every person. That's why, whether people realize it or not, that's why there's all the false religions in the world. That's why there's the occult in the world and all these other things because people recognize there is something out there. But we know that there's not just God and good. There is evil that will bind people. Therefore, we don't just let fish get caught by anything. And we need to be wise in reaching people. And if he said, notice the phrase, follow me and I will make you fishers of men or I will make you into fishers of men. Peter was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Matter of fact, he cussed and denied the Lord So it wasn't like, you know, he was perfect and therefore he was able to catch people. I found this. Not everybody wants to come to church because they love doing their thing. When Jesus had space at the banquet table and he was giving it as a picture of coming to him and living for him, he said, you go compel those people to come. Compel them. It's going to be good food. I'll tell you what. You, and I've told this to people before, you may have been to other restaurants and said, well, these kind of restaurants I've already been, they're not good. I said, and I've said this, you can't judge all restaurants the same. Just like you, you know, some people have had girlfriends and, or been married and, you know, and they're like, well, I'm never getting married again. I'm never having another boyfriend, another girlfriend. They're all crazy. They're all nuts. No, only the ones you've been with. You with me? And sometimes people are like, well, you know, Mexican food, it's all right. No, there's some good Mexican food. Maybe not that many, but there's some good ones. And I think that, you know, there's people that adopt like an old boyfriend, old girlfriend mentality. I've already tried that church business. Well, we're talking about coming and finding a living Savior and a God who will become real to you and do something in your life. And so my thinking is, is how can I get those people to come? Because some people are just not open because they've already adopted an idea from what they've experienced. But I've told people, have you experienced this? So he said, you're awful proud. No, I'm just honest. And if I'm lying, you could say, he's lying. I don't sense God right now. Thank you year. Nobody said amen. But God's working. So we should be able to go, well, you know, what is it? Every the fourth Sunday, God really moves at that church. No, he's always moving. And so we should use bait, whatever it takes, you know, uh, to get people to come in and realize people do bite. And we should observe when people close up, and when they're open. And you know, you can learn about it. If we are fishing, but we never catch fish, we need to re-examine our methods. Individually. You know, and I'm going to say a couple things, and I'm just going to close like, er, like breaks. So when I first got saved, I was super zealous. I don't think I've ever told this in this church. But I mean, I'd pray for everybody, anybody. I remember one time this guy uh, that we knew had died. Uh, he was an older gentleman. So I went to the funeral, before the funeral, when they were doing the viewing. I went right in there. Nobody was around. I'm like, I'll just raise this dude from the dead. <laughs> I remember reaching my hand in there and saying, ooh, that's yee. I said, all right, in Jesus' name, and it just didn't work. I was zealous. See, that's why you don't tell stories like that. And I'm like, Jesus' name, I'm like, should I be louder? You know, but I'm thinking, how loud can you be? And nobody's in there, then you have to back away Somebody came in the door, they're going to observe him, you know. And I'm I'm serious, you know, I'm thinking, I just read in the Bible, I hadn't been saved long, you just raised people from the dead. I mean, it doesn't matter that the guy's 147 years old and lived his full length of days, you know. Thank you for your excitement about that. But the, it's the truth, I still remember where it was. Forest lawn. It's like, this guy's going to get up, and they're going to come for the funeral, and he's going to be standing here. Well, he wasn't, and I wasn't standing there. I left, and I thought, I know this stuff's true because I've got a relationship. It's like that fishing thing. How do you do this? I would witness, this is the truth, to somebody every single day for the first couple years I was saved. I maybe was able to lead two or three people to the Lord. you know, through that method. I did lead other people, and I'm just talking cold. And uh, you would have thought I would have had enough sense to go, maybe you're doing it wrong. And I remembered starting to grow a little and realized, wait a minute, because you can get real religious about it. And I realized, I got to be approaching this wrong. And I just mellowed out and then would purpose to work on people and observe what they were doing and how they were responding. And I remember within weeks, I led somebody to the Lord. I was like, whoa. It was a few more weeks, I led somebody else to the Lord. It was a few more weeks, I led somebody else to the Lord. I remember when I went back to California after Bible school, you know, being out in the ocean, I'd just be out there, body surfing, hanging out, talking to people, lead somebody to the Lord. And it became easier, but I wasn't just trying to ram it down their throat. I was observing. And here's the thing. God's working. And if we would be observant to people, it doesn't have to be super mechanical, but if we just observe, there are people in need that need to know the Lord, people who are just disgruntled with church, you can say, you haven't met all the churches. I mean, all the girlfriends, all the boyfriends yet. You with me? And, um, but I do know this. If we'll ask for wisdom and we'll follow Jesus, he'll make us all into fishers of men.